Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Now, the first rule of being a cowboy, some of y'all are cowboys, y'all know this. If you've ever had the desire to be a cowboy, I want you to listen close because I'm going to give you a lesson in that. The very first thing that you need to understand about being a cowboy is that what we lack in experience, we make up for in wildly unrealistic self-confidence. Okay, you, you just got to act like, if you don't know what you're doing, what do you do? You act like you know what you're doing, and you act like you've been doing it a long time, and you act like you're the best at it, okay? Now, I'm the best at that. <laughs> uh, uh, case in point, whenever I was, man, I wasn't, but about 19, that was back whenever I knew everything, okay? Do, you know, all y'all 19-year-olds, you do, you know everything. Just forget everything your parents are telling you, you know it all. <laughs> yeah. So I was 19, and, and we had this, this, this mare, and she was a coming two-year-old. Her name was Spicy. She was a gray mare. I don't know. I got something about gray mares. And um, anyway, I went out there one day, and I saddled her up. Now, my stepmom had kind of been feeding her carrots and that dumb stuff and kind of had her gentled down pretty good. But I threw a saddle on her, and I put the little breaking hackamore on her and got on her, and she didn't do nothing, man. I turned her around. You, you know, you kind of had to pull her around. She didn't do anything. My dad was out there and he was watching. He's like, well, she ain't going to buck you off. And I was like, no. He's like, well, why am I out here? He's like, I don't know. So anyway, you know, I mean, I even got her to back up. I mean, this was nice. And so I told him, I said, you know what? I <laughs> That self-confidence thing was kind of kicking in, right? Because I mean, obviously I'm the greatest horseman alive, right? It's the first time anybody's ever been on this horse. And I was like, you know what? We're gathering bullhead tomorrow, ain't we? He's like, yeah, now you have to know the bullhead pasture on the Rocker B Ranch. 17 sections. Now, if you don't know what a section is, a section is one square mile. 17 square miles under one fence, and there's going to be about seven, six or seven, I don't remember, six or seven of us cowboys that are going out there, and we're going to gather 17 square miles. And I've got the bright idea. I'm going to take a colt that's never been out of a pen that only has one ride, and I'm going to go gather a 17-section pasture on her because I have wildly unrealistic self-confidence. <laughs> so the next morning, we get out there. I get spicy and saddle her up. She does pretty good. And the trailer loading was a little different story, but we got her loaded, and we got going down the road. Now, this is about 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning, okay? Because we, there on the Rocker Bay, they, they was pretty punchy when it comes time to gathering. You were sitting there at your spot ready to start gathering before the sun came up, okay? So this is real early in the morning. And so we get there, and we get unloading. All the other cowboys are there, and, and I'm, I'm getting ready to get on. And, and I'm starting to have just a twinge of self-doubt. Okay, my self-confidence is wailing, but the, waning, but the good thing, it was probably wailing too, <laughs> but my self-confidence is waning, but I've already talked the big talk, so you got to follow through with it, right? And so, anyway, it is pitch dark. Now, I, I'm going to try to set this scene up for you. If you have never put the first ride on a colt, I want to get one. And let you do that just so you know the experience because it is it is kind of a harrowing experience now I want you to do it pitch black where you can't even see your horse it is a whole different story and so I'm getting ready to get on and this other buddy of mine Lance Stone he had a he had a colt that he'd been riding and you know the sound of a horse pitching is unmistakable if you've ever heard it you don't even have to turn around to know what's going on 
We couldn't have turned around to see it because all I heard was Lance go, well, I can't say that. And um, he, he, said, he, he said, Lord, help me, something like that, in cowboy terms, in cowboy terms. And I could hear this horse pitching. You know, you can just feel the ground. And I'm like, oh, I'm out of here. I, I am not going to do this. And then I was like, wait a minute, man, you've got this. I was giving myself that internal, you know, uh, dialogue, right? I'm like, okay, you can do this. You can do this. So I grabbed her and I cheeked her around and everything. And I put my left foot up in that stirrup and it was like. <laughs> I was like, okay, you got to get on. So finally I got on and I was like, and nothing happened. I was like, okay, maybe I'm good. So we string out. And, and it's not like, uh, Kevin, are you ready? They just, <laughs> and so here Spicy goes. <laughs> well, everything started going good. I found the first hole in her. She did not like to have a horse behind her. And so she started doing this. And kicking at every stinking horse that was behind us. Now, if you have never, you can't even see your horse's ears. It's the very first ride outside the pen. You are at a long trot, slow lope across the pasture. And your mare is going. All the way across there. And so I had to like worked my way to the back so there was nothing left to kick and so anyway I got back there and seriously I'm like what in the world did I get myself into this is self-confident thing of being a big tough cowboy it's not working anymore luckily nobody could see me crying and I was at the back so you know I just I just whimpered softly to yourself and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing you still be a big tough cowboy and whimper silently and kind of cry a little and so, anyway, you know, I, I got in my spot because what happens is you go around the pasture and the wagon boss, he don't even look back. He just, Ronnie, and Ronnie drops off. Lance, Lance drops off. Billy, Billy drops off. And I'm like, maybe he'll just let me go to the house, right? And <laughs> Kevin, so I, and then trying to keep her there while all the other horses left was a trial in itself. So we sat there and we did this, waiting on the sun to come up, back and forth. Yeah! You know, so finally you hear it down the line. Woo! The next guy, woo! That's the, that's the signal to start. So we start gathering. We didn't take three strides in a straight line for the next four and a half hours. Over this way, over this way. Sometimes head up here running off sideways. My arms were sore. My shoulders were sore. And about halfway through that, I did not want to be a big tough cowboy anymore. I wanted to be something simple like a hostess at a Mexican food restaurant. I figured I would be really good at that. Welcome, how are you? Would you like a menu? Go sit down. That was high on my priority list, okay? I mean, I, I can even play that guitar, maybe in a mariachi band. I know Rancho Grande and El Paso and La Cucaracha. So, man, I had it all mapped out, but I did not want to be a cowboy any longer. That self-confident thing got me in a wreck. And of course, you know, I got out that morning. And you have to let all the other cowboys know what you're doing, right? Yeah, I'm riding this horse for the very first time today. She ain't never been out of the pen second ride. <laughs> Halfway across, I'm like, this is the second ride? What is I thinking? This is stupid. Dad! <laughs> oh. You know, honestly, that's the first time I ever felt like a poser. I mean, I did, man. I, I, I felt like I had talked the talk, and I had been the big, tough cowboy braggart, and, you know, I can do this. Ain't nothing going to stop me. I know it all, blah, blah, blah. 
Man, that was so far from the truth. I didn't know what I was doing. Only by the grace of God did I not kill myself that day. But I guarantee you, I wanted to quit. There's another cowboy. He lived about 2,000 years ago. And I think that our definition of a, of, of a cowboy, of, of the first rule of being a cowboy is that what you lack in experience, you make up for in wildly unrealistic self-confidence. There was a cowboy in the Bible that fits that to a T. Fits that to a T. He was actually one of the first disciples that Jesus chose. Some people know him as Simon. Other people know him as Cephas. Other people more commonly know him as Peter. I call him Pete because I relate to Pete. He was one of those self-confident guys. You, you, you go home and read your Bibles, okay? And, 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 I, and I, you've heard me say this before, but some of you, is, some of you are newbies to save the cowboy. Look, if you're expecting me to feed you, you're going to starve to death. Okay? My job is not to feed you. My job is to show you where the food and the, and the living water is. Okay? So go, go read your Bibles. Go read the good book. And, and you read about Peter. And, and, and you'll, you'll, uh, you'll see one time that, that Jesus tells his boys, he's like, y'all get in the boat. Y'all go across the Sea of Galilee. I'll meet you on the other side. So they're like, yes, sir. So they all climb in their boat and they start rowing or sailing or whatever. Maybe they fired up the Evernote. I, I don't know. And so they start going across the lake, right? And Jesus stays, stays put and he does some praying, right? He's like, you know, whatever, whatever he does and, and whatever he does is awesome, you know, and everything. Because he's like, well, I better go talk to my boys. So does he go around? No. Does he call Uber? No. What does he do? He walks right across the water. Ain't nothing going to stop him. Why go around when he can walk straight across? You know, that, that's, that's the God I serve. I love that about Jesus. He's like, I ain't going to go around. I'm going to go right across here. And so he starts walking out there. Well, when he gets close, the, 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 the disciples, they see him. Well, they start wigging out because you typically don't see that. You know, there, there, was, a, there was a story of, of the, uh, a really, well, he, he was one of my mentors, Ralph Hager. He, he tells this story that him and, him and this older guy, they were riding across the pasture. And he's riding, and the old man kind of looks over his shoulder a couple of times, and he's trotting along. And anyway, the, uh, here in a second, he goes, you know, you just don't see that every day. And Ralph was like, what? And he don't say anything. He just keeps riding. So he starts looking. He turns around, and there's a naked man running across the pasture. <laughs> he goes, what is he doing? He goes, I don't know. And they just kept riding. <laughs> Jesus wasn't naked, okay? But you just don't see somebody walking on water every day, okay? He's walking out across there, and the disciples see him, and they start freaking out. And they're like, oh, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. And he's like, no, nah, boys, it's just me. Enter Pete. Pete says, if it's really you, tell me to get out of the boat and come to you, and I can do that. Something like that. <laughs> can you picture Jesus? <laughs> you got to know he giggled, okay? Seriously. The God I serve is a mighty God, but, but he was cool. He was a man's man. And I guarantee you, he went something like this. <laughs> well, come on then. Right? Because that's what a cowboy would say. Well, I can do that. Well, come. Let's see it, big boy. So Jesus is like, well, come on. Climb out of the boat. So Pete, oh, I'll climb out of this boat. He takes about three steps and it's over, right? Help me, God. <laughs> you know? And so Jesus goes over there. He's like, oh, you of little faith. And he picks him up and puts him back in the boat. I doubt he really carried him like a baby or anything. I, I, don't, I don't think it went that far. But you know what? Oh, Pete, he was full of self-confidence. 
maybe more self-confidence than faith sometimes. And, and, and that day, uh, he bit off more than his faith could chew. But you know what? Faith is often mistaken for believing in what we can do, like a self-confidence, instead of relying on God, a God confidence, uh, of relying on God and his power instead of what we are capable of, of what we can accomplish. God says, man, you can do all things through me who strengthens you. You can't do a whole lot. And I see people all the time that, that, that start, they want to follow God, but they depend upon themselves. They think, I can do this, I can do this. And they start going one way, and, and that may not be what God wants to do. Well, if it's not really what God wants you to do, he's not going to give you the power to do it. And you're sitting there, and you're working your butt off, and you're putting all, the, all this time and effort and energy, and nothing's working, and then you blame God. Okay? We need to follow God, not ask him to follow us, to be full of confidence in God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' saving grace instead of ourselves. There's another time that, uh, that Jesus is talking to his boys, and he's like, listen, guys, here's the deal. This is the way it's going to work. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over to the chief priests and some no-account religious know-it-alls, and they're going to make up a bunch of stuff, and they're going to have me killed, and after three days, I'm going to rise from the grave. <laughs> and guess what Pete does? His mouth engages before his brain does. Once again, Pete says, You know what? I ain't no... <laughs> he gets on to Jesus. <laughs> now... You want to talk about when this exchange takes place? I picture the uh, other 11 disciples like, <laughs> Pete, sip it, shut up. Because Pete says, I ain't going to let that happen to you, Jesus. I'll die before I let anything come to you. And boy, you want to talk about the worst butt chewing anybody ever received, in my opinion, was when Jesus turned to Pete and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, I know a lot of y'all cowboys been chewed out before, and you, you know, if you ain't ever been chewed out, you ain't cowboyed very long, okay? But ain't none of you been called Satan by the Lord himself, okay? Pete had a bad habit of letting his mouth engage before his mind or his heart had time to process what he was going to say, okay? But Pete's not the only one. Man, I, I, I'm bad about that sometimes. Man, I just man, I get excited about stuff, and my own mouth just starts running off, and, and Jesus is like, uh, well, that may be a good idea, but it ain't my idea. Like, dang it. Does that ever happen to anybody else? Boy, just let's talk a big talk. My gosh, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I'm going to do this, and God told me this, and God, blah, 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 blah. We let our big mouths override our tiny brains. You know what? Here's the deal. Instead of just talking about stuff, we ought to do stuff. Man, you, you, you know what you could learn? You, let, me, let me rephrase that. Because I don't, I don't know you that well. I want to know you. But I don't know you that well. But I know me pretty well, okay? A lot of times, I could learn a lot more if I just shut my stupid mouth and listen to what others have to say. You know? We could learn a lot if we just listened. You know how much we could learn if we listened to him? If we truly started listening to him. And in order to hear him, you've got to keep your mouth shut you got to keep your mouth shut because he ain't in, well, we don't, we don't have Moses' burning bush. He's in the gentle whisper. And if you're going to listen to him, you got to be quiet. We need to be characterized by our actions, not just by a bunch of talk. Not by a bunch of talk. You know, there, there, and, and, I, and I might have already said this, and so you'll hear it again. There, there, was a, there was a pastor that was in Africa, and he said that when they were at that service, that 
it, it just had a different feel to it that, I mean, you could feel the Holy Spirit and it was, it was like kind of crazy, you know, that like tangible. And he told that, that African preacher afterwards, he said, how do I take this and, and have that in America? And that African preacher said, you can't. He said, why not? He said, because in America, all y'all do is talk about God. All you do is just talk. You have seminars. You have conferences. You write books. You do podcasts. And you have playlists. And you have DVDs and CDs and Bible studies. And all y'all ever do is talk about God. We live God. Well, I'm going to disagree with that, Pastor. I think that we can have that here. But it's going to take that. That we don't need to just be all talk. We need to be characterized by our actions because the mark of a mature Christian is when other people start talking about what you are doing, not you. When people can see how we love others, a see of the good things that we do, a see the transformation in our lives instead of just hearing about it. That's what America needs. That's what I need. And maybe I'd be so bold to say that's what you need too. After Jesus was arrested, well, let's back up a little bit before that. Jesus tells Peter, he's like, man, the time has come. He said, no, God, you know, I, I don't want this to happen to you. I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave your side. And Jesus says, eh, wait a minute. Actually, before the sun rises, not only will you leave me, but you'll deny me three times. Oh, it can't be. And then once Jesus is arrested and, and, and they've got him, Peter tries to go to him. But then somebody says, hey, ain't you one of Jesus' cowboys? He's like, no, no, that ain't me, man, because he was scared. See, it was probably dark, and his own knees were probably shaking. He might have even had a tear in his eye because he was so confused about what was going on because his Lord, the guy that he had followed, the guy that, that, that he knew was God, man, something bad is fixing to happen, and, and he thinks that something bad's fixing to happen to him. And so that fear starts overriding all that big talk, and all of a sudden, old Pete looks like a poser because, he, boy, he'd done some mighty, mighty, mighty big talking. Whoa. Thank you, God. He wanted y'all to really hear that part. He'd been done some mighty big talking. And now you know what his actions were? I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. He was a coward. He had a bad fight with fear in that moment, and he lost. You know what? Fear is often the greatest indicator of exactly what you should do next. Too often, man, we run away from anything that scares us. And, and, and really, if we, and, and I'm not, there's a difference in overcoming fear and acknowledging danger. Okay, I mean, we, we, we don't really need to just prove a point by putting ourselves in dangerous situations, but we shouldn't let fear stand in the way of us following what God tells us to do, because I guarantee you, if you are following God, you are going to be, you are going to experience fear, because he's going to take you out of your comfort zone. For some of you, the comfort zone is standing up and clapping, because you're like, I ain't going to do that, I'm a big tough cowboy. Maybe somebody will see me clapping and smiling, and well, I can't have that. Other of you, man, you know God's calling you to something more, but you're scared to do it because you're scared of what somebody might think. You're scared of, of what you might have to change in your life. Fear is often the greatest indicator of what exactly you should do next. To escape fear, to get over it, you know what you got to do? You got to do just like Jesus did walking on that water. You got to go straight through it, not around it, because you'll never go around it. Most people spend their entire lives trying to go around fear, and you know what? They never move in the direction. They just move sideways, and then they wonder why their life is always the same, because they just pace. I got real mad at Ty yesterday. I fired him twice. <laughs> well, he, he still has to do his job. I just wasn't going to pay him anymore. But we, we, moved some, we moved the steers across the road, and he goes, well, I don't know where all your, I don't know where all your stories come from. This cowboy and stuff is easy. 
And he said, will you go pin those two, those two cows with the calves? I said, yeah, this ought to be easy. Because, I mean, look at what I just did. I just moved like 25 or 30 by myself. Two cows shouldn't be a problem. 30 seconds later, I got one jumping a fence and heading to the creek. For the next hour, it took me. I got her back on our side, and I got her back on our side, and she tried to go down to the exact same spot and jump it again. So I had to stay on the, on the silver spur side of the fence and ride over there and keep her from jumping it. So we had us a standoff. She stood right there and looked at me for 30 minutes, and I stood there and looked at her for 30 minutes. Back and forth we went. Her on one side of the fence and me on the other side of the fence. I'm going to rope you if you jump it again. I'll choke you. She didn't speak English, but... I still gave her the what for, back and forth. And you know what, that's a lot, that's what happens to a lot of people. They just go back and forth because they, they're scared. They don't ever go forward, go forward. There's a lot of us that have a wildly unrealistic self-confidence. There's also a lot of us that are big talkers. There's also a lot of us that are cowards. And I know, man, that, that's, that's, that's a tough word. That is a tough word. But seriously, I, I don't mean it bad because we've all been afraid. I know you've been afraid. You, you don't do what you know you should do because you're afraid. Well, I'm here to tell you that God is here and he's with you. You can do this. But here's the thing. In John chapter 1 verse 42, it says, Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, man, don't ever miss those little words in the Bible like that. It says, looking intently at Simon. You ever seen somebody look right through you? Kind of like my wife when she knows that I didn't do what I was supposed to do. She can look right through you. She knows. That's the way Jesus was. I'm not married to Jesus, but I mean, you know what I mean. He was looking intently at Simon and said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, or in our English translation, rock, something solid. Jesus saw Pete's true potential long before any other mistakes were made and way before he made a fool of himself. Jesus saw his potential on day one and believed in him. He knew that Peter was going to make all these mistakes, make a fool of himself, but he believed in him. And today, we celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost. It's 40 days after Passover, which is when Jesus was killed, and it's the day that 12 men were the first to receive the Holy Spirit, the power of God. It is the time when the Holy Spirit was first given to 12 men, and the power of God was made available to all who believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The power of God, the same power that separated the Red Sea, the same power that Jesus used to walk across the water, the same power that Jesus used to raise Lazarus from the dead is available to us as we do what God commands us to do. There is nothing that is impossible, nothing that is impossible. That day, Pete preached and 3,000 people were saved and baptized. The same self-confident, big talker, coward had become exactly what Jesus knew him to be a rock. Pete always had it in him. Because before we think less of Pete, remember, the one that sank in the sea was the only one to climb out of the boat. The big talker that got reprimanded had been the very first one to recognize when Jesus says, who do you say I am? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That was that man right there. The same one that hid on that fateful night was the one that pulled out a sword to defend his boss. And the same one that denied Jesus was the one that jumped out of the boat in his underwear because he didn't want to wait to see Jesus after he came back from the dead. John looked out while they were fishing. He said, look, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. And Peter's like, hey. See, Jesus wants that kind of stuff from y'all. He wants it from me, and I want that from me. That's the kind of faith that I want to have. Man, I, it's okay if I make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. Y'all have seen me make mistakes. I don't care. I'm trying. 
I'm going to go that way. And I've had some successes too. And here's the key. Man, don't let successes go to your heart and don't, uh, your, don't let successes go to your head and don't let failures go to your heart. See, I'm already messing up. Don't matter. Get out there and do something. Get out there and do something. What do we do? And Jesus, just like he knew what Pete was going to become, Jesus knows what you are to become also. He sees the true you. He's called you. you. You're not here by accident. You might have come with a family member or because somebody coerced you. You are here today because Jesus knows who you are. He is calling you, and if you search deep down inside you, you can feel it. And it's not just those of you that are here. It's those of you that are watching online. we got 3,000 people watching online. God is calling each of us because he sees who we are to be. Sure, you're going to make mistakes. Who cares? Some of you are going to be wildly successful. I don't care about that either. I care about you following God. Just like Pete, no matter how much you get right or wrong, you will never become what you are called to be until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's where the power comes in. And it's not power that we use for ourselves. It's power that we use for his glory. It's what fills us with purpose. It's what fills us with life. It's what gives our lives meaning, a meaning that will stretch into eternity. As for some of you that was here last week, going after those five buckles. I want them five buckles. I do. So what do you do? You just keep going, folks. Man, you came here thinking there's going to be some big revelation, and I'm telling you right now, the secret is you just keep following him. You don't let nothing distract you. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. If you're scared, keep on keeping on. Don't quit. Just keep going. Nobody said it's going to be easy. Nobody said that you wasn't going to be scared. And nobody can stop you when you're following God. It's going to be a rough ride. Maybe as rough as Peter's. It's going to be a rough ride, but in the end, you are going to become who you know God has called you to be. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you for giving all of us the Holy Spirit to empower our lives and to have a greater faith, greater action, greater love. Let us stop wasting our lives in the pursuit of material wealth, addictions, and foolishness. And let us set our sights on those five buckles, waiting for those who the Bible calls are more than conquerors. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.